0: Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. (laughs) ¶¶
1: Welcome Extra Points listeners and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news, the weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time, then ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work, and while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half hour supercut for you to sample. I know, I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to
0: mine. Enjoy the shows. Are things in Dallas that bad? Jen Piacente rants to me on Wired about the state of the Dallas Cowboys and including why she finds 49ers fans insufferable. Give it a listen.
2: The Cowboys were spanked on Sunday night football now i have a lot of thoughts but my first thought is can i have my rant can i start my rant early before also, the guest gets here so maybe i don't
0: also slot in the rundown her I, off from joining us okay take your, all right take your platform
2: here's my rant 49ers fans i've decided you're the worst fans you're worse than eagles fans okay <laughs> why do cowboys make you so angry here's the truth we haven't beaten you guys in a long time we're not, we're not even a rivalry. You guys are a whole lot better. It's not even close. So why do you get so angry and have to be so nasty when you win and leading up to it, you have to be so nasty about it. like, what did the, ca- it's been since the nineties, since the Cowboys have done anything to you. I think it's been since before Eddie Murphy was born, since the Cowboys have done anything to you so quick, so nasty. Okay. And don't tell me that Cowboys fans are the nastiest because sorry, if they are, you can just laugh at them because you're so much Better Your coaching is so far superior. It is not a contest. You are the cream of the crop in the NFC. If we beat you one day, it will probably be from pure luck. So quit being mean. Are you jealous because we have sexy cheerleaders and cool uniforms? I don't know. Maybe you just don't like Dallas because we have too big of hair. I'm from Dallas. I'm from Miski, Texas. This is my team. Quit being nasty to me because I'm wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey when it's the only team I've ever known. Okay. End of that rant. Now I'm going to rant about the actual Dallas Cowboys and how I hate that I was right about this, but in preseason, I think we may have addressed it on, on this podcast. I was very concerned about fantasy points from the Cowboys, not so much for CeeDee Lamb. And I think Pollard will still be fine, but especially for Dak and even for some of the other weapons, because Kellen Moore was the reason they were so good for fantasy. And then they decided, oh, no, we need to be safer. We need to make it so that Dak doesn't have so many turnovers. So they got this stupid offense where they run the ball straight up the middle Or they throw it for about three or four yards. It gets you nowhere. It is completely predictable. And it is absolute horse -mm for fantasy production. And I got to ask you, Eddie, do you have a Dak Prescott problem? Because I do. I have a Dak Prescott problem. Not because I have him on my fantasy teams, but because I was hoping he was someone that I could sneak in for upside later but no you can't and if you drafted him in fantasy thinking you were getting a great deal because you waited until the eighth round no you got more like 12th round value this is a problem i hope they fix it but i have to tell you like i don't care how many watermelons mike mccarthy smashes i don't have any faith in him inspiring this team whatsoever the defense They'll be fine. I think they'll be fine. Definitely, you know, Shanahan was smarter than than Dan, and it's just how it worked out. There will be more wins for the Cowboys. I like them this weekend versus Kellen Moore because they know the offense. I think that's going to, you know, the Chargers have their own foibles and the things they like to lose. So I think it will actually be, much like we said for Justin Fields, I think this could be a get-right game for Dak. If you Mm -hmm. have him, maybe you give him one last hurrah, but in general, he is not an every week start.
0: Yeah, I uh, luckily just the way the drafts went, I never had an ability to take Dak. It wasn't a thing where I decided against it. Um, I I slotted this in the rundown, like I said, and I my, my first follow up question to you about about this and you already brought it up. Great memory by you was in our first episode. We did the, the preseason or entering the first season of the regular season show. Um, I said, will Dak recreate, you know, the four? Well, he got 40 plus touchdowns this year or come close, you know, over the 4,000 yard mark. And you were pretty skittish about that. So you called Dak from the start. You were saying you were not buying into it. So you already answered that. So then you mentioned CeeDee Land. Let me ask you this. Why is, C, like, what is, I, I thought CeeDee Land would have been a candidate this year to be a top three receiver if not one just in terms of i really believe in this dallas offense i just thought that he was gonna get a ton of touchdowns a ton of targets and it just seems like while well, he's getting his targets here and there nothing in the red zone like i mean you know he finally scored his first touchdown but no what like what is going on with da- the the dac to CeeDee lamb connection
2: i i have no idea um but i think it has everything to do with Mike McCarthy and this mm-hmm. ridiculous idea that this new Texas coast, West coast offense right. is going to keep him from making turnovers. And then the team turns the ball over four times versus the Niners. So that is not working. So just be aggressive. I would rather you now turn and be aggressive than, than just try to be so safe, so safe, so boring. It's just, it's not good. So I don't know. I, I do figure that most defenses are keying in on CD lamb. Sure. But like he is the major You know, I figured he wouldn't have a big game versus the Niners, no matter what, because you know, they're going to figure that out. They got to shut down CeeDee Lamb. But even still, it it is ridiculous. Now, CeeDee Lamb, I'm trying to remember, like he had touchdowns last year, but it's kind of like Justin Jefferson, that both of them kind of have a little bit of a, they're not big red zone targets the way, Mm -hmm. say like Devontae Adams is. It seems like, you know, like that double digit touchdown doesn't feel as sure as like Devon Adams always has double digit touchdowns. Um,
3: what I will
0: say too about that game and to tie it into fantasy is, I don't know if maybe I'm crazy about this. But I do think with it being so early in the season, and I you know I use this excuse a lot with the Giants stinking. But it's like, you don't really remember a ton of the bad losses in in the September early October range, so I do think if you're on a Cowboys, fan, I'm not worried about it too much. But do you think maybe the Cowboys have a chance, you know, flipping the script and becoming more potent offensively, which will help yeah. everyone's fast team? And do you think that the Niners may be peaking kind of too early? I know CMC's on a crazy run; he scored a touchdown like every week since like last December. But do you think maybe there's a role reversal here? Do you see upcoming?
2: Well, so I'm not worried about the 49ers peaking too early because I think they're just that good. And unfortunately, they're also just that deep. So even if they suffer injuries, which right now, to your point, they are like 100 percent healthy, which is just making them unstoppable. There's no major injuries there. You know, if they lose a Christian McCaffrey, yeah, they'll go down a little but They're still like I know it's just Eli Mitchell. It's not that excited. They'll figure out a way. They will figure it out because that's who they are. And Brock Purdy does look excellent in this system, and, and you know they're gonna they're gonna be fine. The Cowboys, though, I do think yes that they do have a potential. I think maybe they did need a wake up call. Whether Mike sure. McCarthy got it or not, he stood up in front of the press and acted like he did. But they have got to. Do, it is the most boring team to watch right now. I mean, it, the defense is kind of fun to watch. But other than that it's like okay great Dak made 14 straight completions without throwing an interception yay and we move the ball 32 yards you know <laughs> like it's just like who cares and you're just continually running you have no o-line I mean, this week we did have an o-line but you have no o-line and yet you're still running Tony Pollard just straight up the middle he's not Ezekiel Elliott you know it's just it's maddening it's maddening and for those of you that have Tony Pollard and and Dak Prescott. I mean, CD Lane's still okay. The more the concern is, is he just not going to pay back his draft day value? He'll still be fine. But yeah, there are questions as to whether he will pay back his draft day value.
0: Sticking with the topic of fan bases, Dave Damasek rants to Kevin Henge and myself on minus three about why he thinks Penguins fans shouldn't have said fire Mad Canada during the Penguins game versus the Blackhawks the other night.
4: What gets in the way of the hockey game on the banks of the Three Rivers? Black and gold faithful, taking time out of their evening as they're trying to be entertained by the the doings on the on the ice, chanting Fire Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator of the Steelers. I fi- where to where to begin on this. I, the Steelers won last Sunday. They beat the arch rival Baltimore Ravens, the Steelers in the standings right now. I know you feel like they're underwhelming Steelers fans. If you are buried deep in a hole and Steelers obsessed and this team isn't as good as I was hoping they would be pick up your head and look all around the AFC, the Steelers are not just three and two and in first place in the north, the only north team two and oh right now. They, if the playoffs started tomorrow, which they won't because they intend, I have it on good authority to play out the full regular season. But if they did start, they would be the third seed right now. I'm not praising the Steelers. What I'm saying is, is that the NFL is thoroughly mediocre, save a couple of teams, but they did just win. And you're chanting fire, Matt, Canada. And I am not saying that's not your right. I believe in free speech. I'm I'm borderline absolutionist when it comes to uh, absolutist when it comes to free speech. Say whatever you want, but I'm allowed to make fun of you for being a jackass. You went to a hockey game and you chanted "Fire, Mad Canada." What is this burning desire among Pittsburghers to turn into Philadelphia or New York City sports fans? It's a bad look. It's an attempt to feel important or relevant that you can you can shout a name. You're ill informed. You don't know what you're talking about. You wouldn't be able to look at an all 22 and and divine who's at fault. So go ahead and chant and join join the masses chanting to fire this offensive coordinator. It's weird stuff. It's dark stuff. It's unnecessary. I don't like it. You know, I, I it, it's very, this, weird, you know, right? what do you this- think of it?
5: You know those those uh they, they, those trucks where you can have a video playing on the side of the truck, you know, and you can drive yeah. it around town with your whatever whatever your message is. So when the Firemat Canada crowd is in full throat, Firemat Canada, the truck should pull up and it should just project any New England Patriot possession onto the screen, and then every Firemat Canada guy would be like, oh, oh heavens. Oh, my God, is that right? Is that, what the, is that what the Patriots are doing? The Patriots can't convert second and one ever. Well, wow. you know, like they would all just kind of slink away and go, wow, gee, I I didn't realize our guy maybe isn't so bad. Well, I said it to
4: Spaghetti earlier in the week and I'll say it to you now. Listen, there are the Chiefs and the Dolphins and I guess the Bills by virtue of their head to head. But that one gets a little asterisk because The Bills had to win that game or the division was a wrap in September, it felt like. And then on the other side of things, you have the Niners and you have the Eagles. And then that's it. You can watch those teams and be impressed if you're a fan of theirs or a foe of theirs. After that, everything is pretty mediocre. Everything is... Middle class to lower class when it comes to these NFL teams. Yes, you can wring your hands and watch Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett try and make a go of things, but you could also go and watch Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott flail around um, against that same Niners team that hammered the Steelers in Week One. And like you say, it's all over the league. These teams that are playoff relevant teams look like junk. So I'm, I you know, it's just
5: weird just- stuff. Just so Spaghetti and I have this for posterity, and Spaghetti can flag it and mark it. Yeah, like, yeah. Mark the date. Your bad goat, Yin's Yin's bad goat. Yeah, this week is the people of Pittsburgh. No, the oh, ones, sorry. the ones, the, the ones, ones who championed fire a Canada. The people who built this city, the iron steel, the people who built this country. They're the They're the bad goat. They the are allowed.
0: The ones supporting the economy by buying tickets and promoting the game of hockey. They're, they're no. bad people.
5: I never thought this day would come. No, 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 no.
4: Listen, they are allowed to do whatever they want to do. I'm allowed to make fun of them for <sighs> wasting their time on the big blue marble chanting as grownups about another grownup who needs to be fired. I, it's it's weird behavior. And like I say, I would expect it a Philadelphia or New York city where people like to puff their chest out and be like, dude, we got that guy fired. Weird stuff.
5: Yeah. What? What's the, what was the South park song? Blame Canada. That's right. Yep. That would have been funny. Like if they were just singing. Uh,
4: right. If they could all get it together and say, <laughs> yeah, I get it. But um, yeah. And by the way, Not a great beginning to this Pittsburgh Penguins uh, season to lose at home to the Chicago Blackhawks. Connor Bedard notwithstanding.
5: Shocking that a team average age 37 would fall apart apart in the third period of a hockey game. There won't be a lot more of that coming. All right.
4: Good enough. Uh, You know what? I wish I could summon the energy to push back, but I am down in the dumps. I'm running out of sports seasons. I mean, I'm on to pit basketball. And then after that, is it... Like I'm rooting for the wild card Pittsburgh Pirates of 2024. Listen, we don't have time to fire Matt Canada. I'm focusing on the here and now. But uh, spaghetti in the here and now, it's your turn. Go. I
0: I I mean, I have my good goat and bad goats locked in, but I I feel like you taking shots at New York sports fans for being passionate about things they dislike and saying it's like that's not a Pittsburgh thing. It makes Pittsburgh seem lamer than, Why? than New York of the. Because you're basically saying that like we're good folks, we we, we stay quiet and we suffer quietly. I don't agree with that. I think the Boston, the Philly, the New York, those are known as great sports towns because they're passionate. And I'll get into some New York stuff with that. I mean, but just- I've
4: told you before, and I'll tell it to you again. It crosses a line when the meet when the local media. And the fans start to negatively impact the players and the teams. Then what are you really doing there? The idea that it's hey everybody's not cut out to be a Philadelphia athlete here, like it's a, it's a it's a pressure cooker here. And who was it? Ed Whitson with the Yankees was like, I just can't hack it. I don't like getting booed and, and all that stuff. And Yankees fans all patted each other on the back, like yeah, New York's not for everybody. Get out of here, like. Wouldn't it have been better if Ed Whitson had worked out for your team instead of you scaring them out of town? That's weird behavior.
0: Yeah. yeah, but people do succeed in those markets. I mean, Philadelphia sports has been great lately. Literally, it's like they're in their their like golden era with three out of the four teams being awesome. I don't, I don't I, think, I don't get the idea of like, you got to run the gauntlet of us. I don't think just fruit, because like, the Steelers God. are three and two and be the three seed doesn't mean you could be like happy with every, I don't know. I, I definitely, I'm don't not happy
4: that. with it. I'm telling you that I understand that there are only four teams that really are eligible to win the Super Bowl this year.
6: qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF louisiana call one 877 770 stop licensed through horseshoe bossier city and harris new orleans massachusetts call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gambling helplinema.org. michigan call 1-800-270-7117 illinois maryland new jersey tennessee virginia west virginia ohio pennsylvania affiliated with harris philadelphia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or west virginia 1-800-GAMBLER.net new york call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467369
0: how easy is it to find the positives in sports if your teams keep losing well toby mergler tried this on trend day with me as his patient and he told me to keep my chin up even though my teams absolutely stink it's so exciting so glad the puck drop was here Uh, i'm glad it's back because i want to forget about football (laughs)
1: Okay. Well, I am glad to have heard your hockey takes because I do want to move to what you just said and forgetting about sports in general. And I've got to say, Eddie, I have been working with you uh, about four years here at the network. I've loved getting to know you. And I like to think that we are beyond coworkers and we're at least kind of friends. And as as a friend, I am worried about you. I think it is time we have to have a little bit of an intervention. I listen to every single thing that you record on every show on Minus Three, on Waiver Wired, on this show, and everywhere else, and you are talking nonstop. How much you have started to hate sports. Mm-hmm. And I've got, to, I've just got to step in here for a minute. I've been reading this book, or I've read it for the second time called The Happiness Advantage. And it's all about positive psychology, Eddie. It's about how do you find gratitude in your life? How do you find things that you like that help you become more appreciative and therefore change your mindset to enjoy more of your day to day? And the way you talk about sports now makes me think that you need to step back from the ledge, grab some perspective, and think about something that you like about sports for once. I get that you hate the Giants. I get that they suck. Mm-hmm. I get that I can climb all over them and make fun of you for them. Same for Notre Dame. I'm like I know that, you know, if they beat Ohio State, they'd be right into the uh, the top of the 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 rankings right now. Uh, Yankees obviously had a bad year. I know you're not high on the Knicks. I think you are a little bit high on the Rangers. So I get that you're in a down place. Like, okay, let's accept that. But take a step back. You do this every day. You do this for a living. You get to enjoy the candy aisle of life, which is sports. So for one moment, can we take some perspective and can you sit on the couch here in a very safe space and just forget all the things you hate about it and remind yourself, what Eddie do you like about sports?
0: That's a great question. What I like about sports. Well, uh, I'll start with if you're attending a sporting event, which I still like to do. A lot of people in this current year, you know, the ticket price is too much, parking's too much, concessions too much. I hear that. I, I don't I don't blame you. If you have a, a 4K television and your own bathroom and your own drinks and snacks, why bother going? But There's something about going to a game, uh, especially if you have the ability to tailgate before the game or if there's like, you know, if you're in like a baseball town like a Wrigleyville or even near Fenway and Yankees have a couple bars up in the Bronx. But like to hang out with the fans of the team before the game. So I love that atmosphere. Uh, I love the tailgate walking through there and you see people tossing a football around, blasting music. You smell the different smells from all the food. That's just a great experience. Um, it's exciting to be there, especially to see your your team win. Um, another thing that's great about going to games is, like, I've had some bad luck with the Yankees, but, like, I've seen Shohei Otani, and every time I've gone to see the Angels play, Otani's in a home run. Like, seeing great players make great plays is, is pretty cool. So I, I definitely still love the in-person aspect of attending sporting events. And, you know, I, I guess... Like what I do love, um, you know. You brought up the Rangers, and I do have relatively high expectations this year, which is setting me up for failure. But there's something great about no, the,
1: um, no. You were doing so well, Eddie. You were the fire so in well. you, the
0: fire in you when the season's about to start, and you feel like, oh man, this could be a good year. This could be a special year. I love the the feeling of like going a new season, like you're fresh, like clean slate. Like nothing is happening. The record's unblemished. No injuries. No trades. Or you know, sign, uh, signings or, 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 free agency cuts or whatever. It's just, the uh, the roster, the puck does not drop yet. And it feels great about that. So I do love the feeling of a new season. So there are some things, um, that are still great about sports and why I love sports. And that's why I'm a passionate fan. So uh, I am happy. I'm not one of those, uh, sports media members who like lost their fandom and just like a robot that, that to me is, is bizarre. I don't, I don't get how you could do that.
1: Okay. Well, you're definitely not a robot. You're, but you're more like a seek and destroy mission. It seems like so. I'm glad That's that you right. could actually list a few things that you like, and it's helpful. Like if you start scanning the world for positivity, then positivity will follow. And I don't want to fi- sound like I'm some new age guru or something like that. I certainly am not. But I did. Uh, I have gone through this myself because I am a DC sports fan. And prior to 2019, when the Nationals won the championship, I also went to UVA. So UVA won the title mm-hmm. that year. I think we had about the darkest run in all of sports. So I found myself. In your place, and I've had to give this subject a lot of thought. Were you curious a couple of things that I love about sports, Eddie?
0: I would love to hear, uh, especially, yeah, I mean, your, your fandom is probably through the ringer too, so I'd love to hear it
1: cool uh one thing and i think my favorite thing about sports it, it is to me the universal conversational language and what i mean by that is like if you were an alien who landed on the planet and you had to scan the entire world and pick one language to be to speak and uh, that would be all you would speak you'd probably pick english and I, and I know there's you know more people that might speak another language natively but a lot of those people know 50 100 words in english 200 words in english whatever it might be whereas Like, I don't know many Americans who know phrases in Mandarin Chinese. Like we probably should, but we don't. And like being able to know sports this well allows me to walk up to or feel good that if I walk up to a majority of people in the world, Uh, I can have a two minute conversation, a three minute conversation, a five minute conversation for some people, it's 50 minutes for some people, it's 50 years, I'll be able to engage in this topic with them, because they have some way that they think about sports that we can bond over. That's the second thing I love about it sports in my life has always been a relational glue. No matter what else is going on, and no matter how distracted we might be, no matter how many years I drift apart from somebody or whatever it might be, sports is a tie that binds. It is obviously something that brings everybody back together. And that is so valuable as you age. Pass back to relationships and pass to forge relationships, as I'm saying, as it's a conversational language. Like you can never take this for granted. And in my life and in so many people's lives, sports is the avenue to that, whether there's success on the field or not. Like you have discovered this. You love to talk about what your team is losing. You can't stop talking about what your team is losing because it's catharsis for you. And there's bonding and catharsis. And there's also bonding and celebrating. And there's bonding in the passage of time and the rituals like tailgating and all those sorts of things. And the ability to build those things via the sports is so powerful. And it brings me to my third one, and I, I have, like, I'm kind of like Russell Hammond at the end of Always Famous when they say, Tell me what you love about music. And his answer is to begin with everything. So I can talk about this forever because I love everything about sports essentially. But the last thing I'll say, then I'll get off my little monologue here, is uh, the range of emotions that is created through sports without true life or death um, kind of circumstances based on the result is so powerful. It's kind of like how uh, you train to go through dogfights through like a flight simulator. Like for me, sports is an emotional simulator. Like I can experience the highest highs. I can experience the lowest lows. I can get mad. I can get sad. I can get happy. I can laugh. I can do all those things. Every one of the human emotions is available to me through the avenue of sports. But at the end of the day, nobody died. Like we've got wars that are raging across multiple areas of the world right now. We've all gone through a tough time with COVID. There's all these sorts of problems with the climate. Like there's a million things that actually have consequences that are long-reaching and um and can generate life or death scenarios. Sports ain't one of them. And so having the safety and the confines of this area to explore the full emotional range without those outcomes that truly, truly, truly make a difference in the world is very powerful. Very useful and very cathartic so that is my always famous or almost famous answer i'm happy to give more reasons but do any of those resonate for you and make you climb back off that ledge eddie come back into the warm breath of sports and stop talking about how you're going to quit this and just you know follow pearl jam around the globe
0: oh that would be a dream um music's always first uh but i i I think the bull, well, you know, the funny thing is, and while it's an amazing thing we get to do and, and talk sports for a living, which is that's, that's like the double-edged sword of like being kind of public and having to talk about it, what makes it like also worse. And, you know, New York sports in general, I think, I don't know where you stand on this. And I'm curious to hear your answer, but I don't know. To me, I think what's way worse than being a team that just, you know, you're going to be terrible and they are terrible. And you feel like this never ending cycle is going to you know stop. But I think for me, I get way more crushed when you have these expectations and you don't follow them like, you know, the Yankees. I I mean, you can make the argument, you know, Sheck always does his uh, Sonic Award for worst sports. And you can make the argument like New York right now. Obviously, um, the Yankees and the the Mets, too, I'm not even a Mets fan, but they had crazy high expectations, the highest payroll and the history uh, on the Mets side those teams don't make the playoffs. Jets and Giants, you know, Aaron Rodgers' injury, obviously devastating. That ruins their season. The Giants won a road playoff game last year, and they're just awful in every facet of the game right now. Um, The Knicks are going to be fine. The Knicks are probably a playoff team, but they're not better than uh, probably a handful of teams in the East, let alone the West. And then you have, um, you know, the Rangers who... Uh, I don't even know how to get into them, but they're, they're going to be there. And they're they're going to be the mix, Um, but it's, it's tough to, it's the hardest trophy to win in sports Stanley cup. So uh, I don't feel great about that just because of how difficult it is, despite how good the team is. So I think for me personally, like the um the expectations and then followed by terrible results is what really um kills me. And, and Notre, I didn't even mention Notre Dame too obviously Notre Dame was in, you know, the, the Ohio State game they should have won. Um the Duke game was a strange one. They had to win last second, you know, uh, rushing touchdown. And then Louisville, I mean, geez. So it's like uh for me, it's like, oh, a team that could be in all these teams should be in the mix for postseason success. None of it happens. And I'm like, why do I bother? Why do I get invested? Um so I guess that's where I, I stand on that. Uh expectations yes. versus reality.
1: So there's some studies on happiness, Eddie, that uh, are illustrative here, basically around income levels. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen these basically says, once you have your needs secured, like more money doesn't necessarily mean more happiness. So if you have, once you make whatever it is, 80, 85,000 a year, the, the, the marginal dollar increase doesn't have the same effect on your outlook on life. Um, And so like you as a New York fan are living in the upper tax bracket of sports fandom. Um, You have the resources, you have all those sorts of things. You've already had kind of your sport needs secure because you are living in that mansion and things like that. Mm -hmm. If you were to talk to another fan who just – has no expectation year after year. If you're, I don't know, I don't know who we should pick on here, but a Pirates fan or I guess uh, now the Kings still have some hope, but like more bound fran- franchises that haven't had success in a really long time, they probably don't have their needs quite secured yet in this analogy. Uh, sure. So like they would look at your complaints and think that it's idiotic to, to look down and say, oh, what are you complaining about? But anybody in that middle bracket is like, oh, we're right around that level. They would still want the money. So the fact that you have New York, the fact that you have this rich history, the fact that you have the resources to compete every single year and they don't live up to the expectations, the alternative of never feeling anything, as you were talking about with some media figures and or never actually having the ability to compete in the first place, they would trade places with you in a heartbeat and try to keep that in mind. Try to keep the comparative perspective in mind, even after the Yankees flame out yet again with a massive payroll.
0: Yeah, 82 and 80 um, big changes coming. But I I hear you on that. I would not trade the fandom uh, for anything. I'm glad I am where I am and not a, a robot who just roots for the league, which is one of my biggest biggest pet peeves uh, among sports. Comedian Eric Oligny joined Saratiana and Dave Damisch on this week's Extra Points, and they talked about some funny run ins they've had with celebrity comics, including an encounter with some pretty famous professional athletes. I always
4: love Stories about comics having to get up on stage when they realize, oh, big time comic is in the room. What's <laughs> uh, what's what's your biggest brush with uh, with stardom and knowing that person is in the room? I my friend uh, uh, Jordan Rubin. Why do you mm-hmm. know uh, Jordan? Love uh, Jordan. Deon? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Uh, big- wonderful weirdo fella. Um, Very weird. One of my all time favorites. Um, he once uh, Jerry Seinfeld walked into the comedy club. As mm-hmm. he was about to step up onto the stage, Jordan, and he said, OK, you can stay here and watch in the back, but you cannot judge me. And he said, and apparently <laughs> Seinfeld said to him, oh, yes, I can. And I will. <laughs> <Imagine> <laughs> Eric, it's if you like had so. anything close to that, was Tiana basically the same? dynamic? No. For you? Who was it,
7: I mean, there's been some cool... I've I've gotten to perform with Russell Peters a lot. And so he always has like big-time rappers and uh, musicians and all kinds of WWE stars. And Hmm. is that what it's called, the uh, wrestling? And so I've gotten to perform for pretty cool guys like that. But for like comics, I guess I got to perform at the Comedy Store a lot. So my most memorable was when Ian Edwards walked into the room when I was very young at the Comedy Store, and I bombed my (laughs) a** off. And I got off stage, and Ian comes up to me, and he goes... Yeah, make sure uh, when you get on stage, you got something to say. And I was like, <laughs> I it. Oh, no. It, it, uh, it really opened my eyes to the fact that I need to work a little harder on writing my jokes.
4: Mm. Yeah, that's you know what? It's easy to get people to pat you on the back. Somebody to give you a tough critique like that is is tough. Tiana, how say you?
8: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, for sure, Chappelle, like, that was, like, super nervous. What? He, oh, my he judged God. My, he judged my roast battle once. Uh, that was the first time I ever met him. It was, like, before roast battle was a TV show and we were still pitching it for HBO and stuff. And, like, and then he, uh, I, I was really nervous. I think I was battling Tiffany Haddish. And then um, and then he came up to me after and said "I that I was you know, one of the best writers he'd ever seen. And like, then he brought me on tour with him for quite a few shows. Wow. Yeah. And he's still like, when I see him, it's like, a, it's like a, not a day has gone by. So he has a really good memory that way. But then I also remember like Dr. Dre, like bombing in front of Dr. Dre and him heckling me because Eleanor Kerrigan was on before me. And he's like, bring Eleanor back. And I'm like, you're like, you're you're like so flustered, but you're also like, oh, Dr. Dre is talking to me. <laughs> Like, and it was like dark days of the comedy store before it was like cool again before podcast happened and it got this whole resurgence so and then there's other times when it's been like Chris Rock or Bette Midler and I'm so glad I didn't know they were in there or else I probably would have bombed so I'm like I prefer if I just don't know the celebrity is there and then it's just like a happy you know accident after if they talk to me
7: so on uh on one of those things in the old days of the comedy store, I don't know if you remember this, but David Taylor was on stage <laughs> and uh in the crowd was Donovan McNabb. He was sitting with uh Gary Payton. Oh no. And way. he starts he starts ripping into Donovan McNabb and McNabb gets really pissed off and wants to fight David. And Gary Payton is basically <laughs> just loving every minute of it. He's like literally he Gary Payton stuck around the whole night because he loved the fact that David Taylor was just Oliver McNabb
8: Did David was, know that it was McNabb Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay. Okay.
7: He was purposely just going at him, and it was you know Dave, David. He wants to like ignite something. He
8: was super dark, Dave. Like he he's like maybe what six five and a hundred pounds, like so like thin, but just like so negative. Like everything he ever said on stage was just like gross or dark. You know, it was like suicide. You know, kill yourself. <laughs> or, you know, like drink, I don't know, drugs. Okay, I, but yeah. those
4: are words. I, I like, th- I have to draw the line when comics are looking to fight professional athletes. That's probably yeah. a bridge too far for them. <laughs> like, that's probably if those two professions got into one big uh, battle royale, I, I think yeah. I'm going to bet heavily on the athlete side of things versus uh, this, the
7: comics. This was
4: any present company.
7: This was yeah. during the time, though, when homeless people would sleep in the pack of the, of the OR, the original <laughs> yeah. room.
8: Yeah, those homeless people being open micers that were yeah. there for, But uh, they were yeah. just more they would Say, Yeah, they would say they were open micers so they could come in and Listening and to Brody
4: Stevens and Don Barris and all the late-nighters there <gasps> oh, yeah. at, uh, at the Comedy Store, yes.
0: Is this going to be a tough season for Ravens fans? Mark Gunnels tells Martin Weiss on Lemon Pepper Parlay why he thinks there's going to be some bad vibes in Baltimore all season long. How about the
9: aforementioned Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I watched all that game, by the way, because it was uh, televised here locally in Los Angeles. So it was one of the CBS games. And the Pittsburgh Steelers look bad. Like, they're one of the worst 3-2 and teams I've They are bad.
7: They are yeah. bad.
9: Offensively, yeah.
5: that's a bad team.
9: How are they three and two? Like, they had two defensive touchdowns against the Browns, and then they beat the Ravens, who had like 100 drops. <laughs> and then Lamar, for reason they, they do a fade route at the five yard line, and Lamar severely underthrows it for an interception. Then he gets a strip fumble. I mean, what could go wrong went wrong for the Ravens offensively. And this team really should be five and no. They should have lost that Colts game. They had no business losing that game as well. And this is another game they lost. Like, they had no business losing. And this has always been the thing since John Harbaugh's been there. They've always had these type of games where it's like you're watching it and you don't understand how they lost to such an inferior team. They are miles better than Pittsburgh. Like, that game shouldn't even been close. If if Bateman catches that touchdown, they go up 14 to nothing. It was right Aguilar in his the game. Aguilar catches a touchdown yes they dropped two touchdowns (laughs) and now you got the Bengals getting their swagger back apparently and they're only game a game behind you like you had a chance to really separate yourselves in that division you would have been four and one the the Pittsburgh would have been two and three Cincinnati's two and three the Browns are who knows what Watson's going on there you had a real good chance and you got the Chiefs at four and one sitting pretty in the AFC you could have I don't know, man. The Ravens, I'm not even a Ravens fan. You know that, but just as a football fan. This feels bad. This feels bad
0: watching it.
9: Yes. And I know you like Lamar too. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't know, man.
0: I don't know. And let's stop down for a quick break here. There's pretty high expectations in Edmonton for the Orioles this season. Josh Joey from The Athletic joins Dave Damoshek on Minus 3 and talks about their cup expectations.
4: And let's start with this one, the biggest or the face of the game at this point, clearly Connor McJesus um, and his pals there. The most bizarre thing happening in sports that's a little undercovered, in my opinion, is that Connor McDavid, the best player unquestionably in the land, and Leon Seidel, a former Hart Trophy slash MVP himself. Uh, the fifth shortest odds to win the MVP again this year is Dreisaitl. McDavid, of course, the the heavy, heavy favorite to get it once again. They've gone nowhere in the Campbell slash um, Western Conference ever. Eight years through, is this the year it finally changes?
3: Well, I mean, they are certainly one of a handful of teams that has a chance. That The East is much better than the West. Right. There's a handful of teams in the West, Colorado, Dallas, Vegas. And certainly Edmonton, maybe a couple of others. And I would
4: float in there just to throw it in there. It's funny because I think we can be short on these teams because I think it's just those four teams. And then maybe the interloper is the Los Angeles Kings. And then that's the conversation on the Uh, the Campbell side of
3: things. And they're a good team. But in the East, there's 12 or 13 teams that can make the playoffs. In the West, boy, you you know who the favorites are. Edmonton, um, they're fascinating. To put into perspective how great McDavid is, this season, the Edmonton Oilers are on national television in the United States more than any other team. Hmm. The Edmonton Oilers, obviously a team that nobody in America really cares about, but but he is that much of an attraction. This is, I think, the most physically gifted player we've seen since 66. Um, and yet, in the playoffs, he's been great. sidle has been great if you look at their numbers. They've only advanced to the conference final one time. And McJesus is going to be, I think, 27 in January. So he's right in the prime. But those are the winning years in your mid-20s. If you look at the great players in the history of the sport, uh, Mario won his last cup at 26. Gretzky won his last cup at 27. Uh, Sid was 29. Like uh, The greatest players of all time are still great in their 30s, but they're typically not as dominant once you get into your 30s. Well.
4: And the 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 empathetic uh, lamentations uh, that go to Connor McJesus and and his team like, ah well, look how good he's played. But, you know, it's historically anomalous that this is what's going on. Whereas with the best to ever play football, like you would include Dan Marino and that got to that one Super Bowl and lost it. Um, Mm -hmm. There are other big name NFLers who never sniffed a Super Bowl baseball Ted Williams got to his one and lost did Ernie Banks obviously never wanted a Barry Bonds never won it so on and so forth basketball has its luminaries who never got near um a, an NBA title the NHL though very very few. The, the list is short and it is not all that impressive of the best guys who never won a Stanley Cup. This is getting super duper weird and we don't talk about it because it's hockey. And if it were going on, if the same phenomenon were going on in any of the other sports, look at how we talk about the halos with Otani and Trout for only about three years together. The hand wringing there is a hundred times what it is about what goes on up in Edmonton, right?
3: No, it is. And the fascinating thing to me, it's not like McDavid and Dry choke when they get to the playoffs. Yeah, right. The last, the last two springs, they've been unbelievable. They're putting up like Lemieux and Gretzky numbers. They're putting up two points a game. Um, that's what it's not like they're Clayton Kershaw who shows up in the playoffs and all of a sudden he's not Clayton Kershaw. It's not like that at all. Um, the Oilers have not been a well-run team for a long time. They still have some issues. Darnell Nurse is their number one defenseman, making more than nine million a year. He's a good player. He's not a number one defenseman. Um, they have allotted some money, I think, very poorly. Um, they're not a good defensive team. You still have to have an element of that. Um, we think of like Colorado and the Penguins of 16 and 17 as high-powered offensive champion, champions, but those teams could lock you down and still win two-one if they had to. Edmonton's never really shown that ability that they will outscore you. Um, and they have maybe the greatest power play of all time. I mean, really, the, the numbers speak for themselves. What their power play did last season, like way over 30%, you'd never see that. And it was even better in the playoffs, but five on five, they're just not a great team. They, they have two great players. Um, that said, I, I always expect one of these years they're going to break through and get to the final. They, they kind of have to when you have those two guys. Um, but that said, uh, if you're asking who my pick is to come out of the West, it's not Edmonton. But 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 I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Um, one of these years, yeah. Okay. To
4: one of first of all, give us your pick to come out of the uh, the Campbell Conference.
3: When they're healthy, I just can't pick against Colorado. I still think they're the best team on paper uh, when they're healthy. We'll see if they will be.
0: And to round it the show, keeping with the hockey theme, I joined Toby Mergler on Tranny this week to discuss some NHL betting tips to win you all some money.
1: Now, the reason you're in the seat today, Spaghetti, is you love hockey more than anybody else at the mm-hmm. Extra Point staff, and we are getting into puck season. So I wanted to bring you on because I don't follow the sport. I, mm-hmm. I have a giant blind spot for hockey. I can admit to it. I'm not ashamed of it. I just have it. Um, and so I don't bet hockey nearly as much as I would like to. And I bet you there's a couple of more people out there in the world that are Definitely looking for more things to gamble on because we're def- we're short on options. So, can you tell us a little bit about hockey betting? It seems like the puck line and the over/under is impacted by such a way, a major way by empty nets. How do you like to attack the market overall?
0: that's exactly right the number one thing is you have to be afraid of the empty netter so a lot of times you'll see like the the goal and a half is it's scary because you're giving up that extra you have to be afraid of like hey are they gonna get that and and ruin the bed there um I, you know I will say luckily in the last few years of of you know regular season hockey, Last year, the Boston Bruins, the all time greatest regular season team, broke the record. You could have just bet them like consistently, you would have won. Same thing happened, but the reverse was like two years ago. Um, and we did this on minus three a lot, where the Buffalo Sabres were so bad and they had like an all time losing streak, where it's like you just keep going against the Buffalo Sabres, laying the goal and a half, sometimes even a like, two and a half. So that's the one thing is to obviously like hone in on how prolific of a scoring team uh, that is, because if you want to have the the puck line, that's a, a goal and a half, you got to feel good about that. I'll get to my bets later on where I have uh, a lot of bets like that, because I feel that confident in the the teams I'm picking or the team I'm going against rather. So I, I will say the number one thing is find the trends in the NHL and they happen. Like you would have been positive on, on, you know, the hurricanes or uh, I'm trying to think other the Oilers teams that are consistently scoring you could feel safer about the the puck and a half um the goal and a half and um reversely there's a lot of bottom dollars this year where you could just bet against uh because they're gonna be pretty bad another bet i like a lot and um for the higher scoring teams is you mostly see like six six and a half being the total um there are some teams like the islanders for example this is a great team to always bet the unders this year they have one of the best goalies in the league in Sorokin. he's going to be a Vezina candidate um and they're just built to win games like 2-1, 3-2. And, uh, and that's like an easy under always because they're not going to score a ton. They're just not built that way. They don't have the super high offensive output. But um, And it's not a knock on them. They're going to be a good team. But their goaltending is just so great, they'll, they'll probably be hitting the unders. Whereas like a team like my Rangers, phenomenal goaltender as well, the a favorite, but they do score more. So you have to be a little weary of that. Now you have a team like the Edmonton Oilers who defense and goalie really isn't their thing, um, but they have the best player in the world, the best, the af- best athlete in the world. I, in my opinion, and Connor McDavid and a guy named Leon Dreisaitl who would be an MVP candidate every year as well, if it wasn't for uh plank with number 97. So they're going to score four or five goals themselves so like they're a team that's an easy over so if yeah. you just follow those trends like the teams are scoring high the teams that are barely giving up any goals and have great goaltending and just go the unders there so there are ways to find it and I just kind of wait and see how um you know the league shapes up and like I said there are always a, it's always a trend the last few years we've always seen one so that's the couple pointers that I, I would follow from my uh, me being a gambling novice
1: yeah, so, I mean, like, puck line and the under seemed like they would just scare the hell out of me every bit. It's not like in baseball. It's like, okay, there's two outs to the ninth. We're going to move the fences in 100 feet. If they did that, you would assume that, you know, there's going to be more runs at the end and things like that, and that would blow up the bet. So, I I don't even know how to stomach that. Like, I don't even know how to stomach, like, watching the game and seeing them pull the goalie and then knowing I've got action on the line. So, are there rarer corners that you have a great feel for? Like, for me, I obviously host Covered in Glory uh, with yeah. Brett Coraminos, and I loved to- to bet things that are outside of the mainstream, like corner bets and yellow cards that I feel like are more predictive that come from game script that aren't affected by like this randomization at the end of the match. Are there like great little dark corners of the hockey rink for you to explore in the prop market that you like to do? Or are you just like the puck line and the over-unders?
0: No, that's a, that's a phenomenal question. And I'm glad you asked. There is one I do like and I have been kind of warming up to um, has been a, like attempted shots or shots on net. And that's an easy one as well if you just follow teams and go, okay, what kind of system are they running? And then is that guy getting power play time? If you're getting a guy who's like a first line forward and he's also in the power play, then you're going to have a bunch of attempted shots on net. And plus, like if he's a guy that plays near the net too. And it's, so there's a lot of ways you could find that. Um, guys that have great wrist shots, guys that want to enter the zone and do that. I I know I brought up Conor McDavid before. He's a guy that's going to shoot the puck a ton. So it's like, if you want to find guys like that, um, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, who's a younger player with a great wrist shot, he's going to be in the mix for the heart, the MVP trophy. Uh, Just start to watch games, get the trends, see how they're, you know, how the offense system is running. Obviously going to be, you know, worried about injuries and stuff too, where the guy you're betting on consistently gets banged up and he's going to miss some time and he comes back slower or sometimes coaches are a little, um, you know, uh, quick to pull guys from the special teams, which is something you don't like to see too. But if a team is consistently putting a guy on the first power play line and he's playing top six minutes, um, I love I love to find the guys who are shooting the puck the most. That's a bet that I really, really like. Uh, att- attempted shots on that. It's a great one.
1: Okay. All right. That that one makes sense to me. So that one I'm going to dig into. In fact, I actually looked up one earlier today. I didn't end up using it on the show, so let me try it on you. Uh, Letang on Pittsburgh, under two and a half shots was minus 103. Uh, I just looked at the stats last year to start the year in October. He was averaging less than two shots a game. He seemed to pick up steam in March where he started averaging over three shots a game, but he's also 36 years old. I don't know if that age starts cutting into ice time or your ability to contribute on the power play. That one was close to a coin flip and looked like a good number for me on opening night.
0: That's an interesting one because Last year, I would have said he's probably going to go over because he was their power play quarterback. Um, he was the guy that was playing first pairing you know, minutes. Obviously, he's always on the like he's always playing far first on the power play. He's always going to be and he's playing with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, just two of the greats. So he's going to have uh, offensive opportunities even being a defenseman but then they go and bring in this guy named Eric Carlson has been one of the best defense in the league for the, you know, blast, you know, X amount of years. So I'm actually interested to see if Carlson kind of takes that spot away from Latang. So I, the under, you know, obviously early in the season, really like the, you know, they don't play as many minutes in the, in the preseason games here. Maybe he's not really right yet. He is injury prone. So they want to like shrink his ice a little bit because of his age. Like you said, this is a guy that plays like, 40, 50 games and misses a good chunk of the season, too. So I, I actually do like that. The the thought process of like maybe not playing him a, a ton early on in the season, because this is really the Penguins last playoff push. So I think it does actually factor in with Letang. Um, But I think having a guy like Eric Carlson they brought in is a one last push. Like I said, he's he's the guy. He's number one a now. So the under I I I think I'd ride with you on that.
1: Okay. All right. My first hockey bet. I got Eddie Spaghetti's approval. It's all I really wanted in life. So I feel good. Uh, Before we get into today's picks, Eddie, we don't really do a lot of features on the show because we focus on, you know, game of the day type stuff. But do you have favorite futures bets for hockey this year that as a sharp you'd like to tell us all to pay attention to?
0: This is going to be boring, but I, I just don't see us in a world, especially with the Oilers who I think are like the second best odds to win the cup. Um, you know, it's McDavid's going to win the heart again. He's just, he's Michael Jordan. He is that good. He's the, it's like if he doesn't win the award, it's one of those things in the writers, like, let's give it to somebody else. But the problem, he's so overwhelmingly good and everyone knows And I i think the hockey media is a little bit different than um, you know, the NBA media or, or even uh, MLB of, of certain times, but He's he's just so good. He's just gonna. He was over 150 points last year. He'll probably be near there again. The Oilers are getting better as a team, and obviously that kind of correlates to you winning an MVP. Your team has to be good. Um, so I think that's an easy one. I think Vesna, um, you know, coin flip between the two New York goalies, Sorokin and Shusterkin. Um, they're easy plays there if you want to put. They're the two favorites. Um, I think those are easy plays, and I think. If you want to go back to the Oilers, you want a team to win the West and most points in the West. I think it's going to be Edmonton this year. Um, you know, the East is just too difficult to figure out. But that those are the three I feel pretty confident about. Is if you want to just say Hart, McDavid, best team in the West, Oilers, and uh, and then Vesna between the two, whichever one you like better. Personally, I think I, I even though I'm a Rangers fan and I think Shisterkin is is all world, I think the Islanders are just not as good as a team and they have to rely on Sorokin more. And I think because of that, they, that may give him the edge. So if you wanted me to go against my guy, I would say that. So those are the three kind of futures that I feel really good about um, going forward, but it should be another really fantastic season.